So when would be the worst time ever to talk about generosity? Oh, I know, I know, right before Black Friday in the highest inflation in 40 years. Who would be dumb enough to do that? Me. You know that not only does our nation have the highest inflation rate in 40 years, you know what state has the highest inflation rate of any state? That would be us, 13%. So to illustrate that, a year ago, I checked this, a year ago, uh, a, a dozen eggs cost nationally $1.67. My wife prefers Eglin Best Eggs. If you can find them, they are $4.49 a dozen. Hello. So let me ask you again, when would be the worst time to preach about generosity? Well, that depends. If you're thinking about yourself, it would be before Good Friday during the highest inflation rate in 40 years. But if you're thinking about other people, there's never been a better time. Because what you give will go farther because the needs are deeper. And so that's what I want to talk about is this idea of God's generosity and how we can be imitators of him. Uh, this is not an easy conversation for me. It hasn't been historically because, well, part of it I guess I could blame on the way I grew up. We were lower middle class income when I was a kid. My parents were both poor when they were growing up. So even though they grew out of poverty, they never grew out of the poverty mindset. That is the this deficit mindset where you get all you can and you can all you get and you, you buy low and you, like, you bargain shop everywhere, you cut coupons and you actually, in our home, we bragged about getting a rock bottom price for something. Sound familiar to anyone? We lived like we were poor even though we weren't anymore. And so I grew up thinking it was noble to be cheap. Now, I didn't call it cheap. I just said I was frugal. It sounds so much better than cheap. But you tell me, is this cheap? If you go out to a restaurant and you're with friends or family or maybe colleagues and you deliberately are the last person to pull out your credit card hoping that someone else will pay for your meal. I did that until my early 30s. Not proud of it. Trust me when I say this was a difficult conversation for me and a difficult journey for me. And the one thing that took me further, faster in my journey of generosity was this one idea. It, it, if you get a hold of this, it will change your perception. Instead of pulling out that credit card being like painful, it will be joyful. Here's the idea. You ready? All I have I mean, my car, my house, my health, my bank accounts, my tools, my toys, all I have is a gift of God. Not a gift to me, a gift through me. This is a biblical principle. If God has given you anything, health, house, car, it's not because he likes you, it's because he likes someone else and wants to love them through you. Now, does God like you? Yes, he does. Does God love you? Yes, he does. But he's going to love you through someone else's gift of generosity. 
See, this is the genius of God, is that he gives all of us, not equally, but he gives all of us more abundantly so that we can share with those who have less in that area of their life. That is so counter to our culture. We were weaned on this materialistic culture. And so for us, this idea is that we're going to find life satisfaction in possessions. It never works. You're smart people. You know this never works. The accumulation of things satisfies you for a maximum of 90 days. And then the adrenaline wears off and you're on to something else. But in our minds, we think that if we can just reach a certain level uh, economically, we'll be happy. So the symbol, at least that we are working hypothesis, is if I have this equal sign, I have this much, my house has this many rooms, my car has this much horsepower, my, my salary has this many zeros. If I just get to that, then I'll be happy. And it never works. You know why? Because the equal sign always becomes a plus sign. And we just want more. The, the richest man in America, at one point, John D. Rockefeller, they asked him, how much do you want? And he said, just a little more. If satisfaction is in a plus sign, and, and it is, in our, in our materialistic culture, it's, it's just I have a little more, then I'll be satisfied. And it never lasts. The biblical wisdom is to turn the plus sign into a minus sign. And some of you thought it was gonna say, oh, an equal sign, just be satisfied with what you have. No, no, satisfaction is not in having what you have, it's in giving what you have to those who have a need. And as soon as I mention a minus sign, probably every person thought, okay, he's talking about what I have to give. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person who has a need. It's not your minus sign. It's their need. And when you take your plus, God has given you surplus, and you put it on someone's minus, on their need, and they become an equal to you in access to God and the love of Jesus. They become a brother and sister in Christ. When your plus overlays their minus and you become equals, that is where satisfaction in life really comes from. And I want to unpack how that actually works by taking you back to the very beginning. The Bible talks about this in chapter one. Generosity is in our nature. The Bible begins with this creation story. And before God is done with creation, he turns to human beings and he says in verse uh, 29, God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Do you find it curious that God didn't just give us the plants, he gave us the seeds? In fact, twice in this verse, he mentions that plants with seeds, plants with seeds, the fruit of the trees with seeds. Why seeds? Because seeds are the possibilities of the plants. Now, you can take the the fruit for food, that's good, but plant the seed and plant a tree for the next generation. It's in providing for others through the seed that God has put in your possession that you find satisfaction in life. And then he turns to talk about animals, verse 30. 
and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. Why does he mention the breath of the animals? Because the breath of an animal is equivalent to the seed of a plant. That's the life, the reproduction, the possibility. And God has taken all of that possibility and put it in your control. I'm about to say something that you might find uh, stunning. And, and at first you're gonna think I'm wrong, but, but bear me out, you ready? God did not create the world. God created the heavens and the earth. The world is what we created with him. Language and art, architecture and education, sports and science and entertainment, that's what we created with the resources that God put in our hands. It's like God finished the Milky Way and all the galaxies and the sun and the moon and the stars and he took the paintbrush and he put it in your hand and said, now, you put on the final stroke. It was genius. And if you look anywhere in this world, you will see the majesty, the, the lavish, ridiculous generosity of God. This, this last month, I was in Nepal. I joined a group of guys on a mission trip to Nepal, and our goal was for each of us to pay for a well. And that one well would give clean water to an entire village. And, and, the, and the clean water in that village would give an opportunity for someone to preach the gospel. So we needed to train these pastors. They're all bivocational because they're poor. And they're all persecuted because it's illegal to preach the gospel. And we gathered 300 pastors together and trained them in bivocational ministry. It was, it was thrilling, but it was also grueling because these guys, I mean, it was, it, it was hard for us to watch. So we decided we needed a little bit of R&R. &R. And hey, we're in the Himalayas, let's take a walk. And so we did. For three days, we trekked through some of God's most beautiful creation. It was extraordinary. Everywhere you turned was a, was a picture that a camera just could not capture. God is lavish in his generosity of creation. Now, some of you are here at CCV, or maybe you're watching online. You, you came to the valley. We, we call you snowbirds because you come for the weather. But you know what you're missing at home right now? This is the changing of the leaves. God is lavish in his creativity. Why would you leave this for a dry and barren desert? Though our desert is dry, it is far from barren. Our color is not in the leaves, it's in the sky. And the sunsets are crazy cool. Everywhere you look, you see the hand of God in creation, lavishly giving us all of this beauty, and then putting it in our hands and saying, you take the seed and you take the breath and you make a world out of it. This is verse 26. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We're to rule that. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. 
God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Twice we read the word rule. It's kind of an oppressive word, it's a strong word. And in the rest of the Bible, you know who this word describes? God in heaven and kings on earth. And God is saying to every one of you, rule the world. Rule this part of creation that I put you in. Take care of the plants and the animals, the resources, the technology, the houses, the language, the education. I want you to rule on this earth to turn the heavens and the earth into a world worth living in. Do you know how high God's opinion of you is? to call you a ruler in the same way that he called kings rulers. So let me ask you, how are you doing ruling? Because God's design is not just to create a world, but to partner with you. He gave you the world and said, now give it away to others. And that's how we make a world out of it. Now, when we start talking about generosity, I, I, I get it. You think immediately you think, well, he's just asking for money. Well, yes. But no, money is part of it and an important part of it. But for me, my journey, and I'm telling you, it was tough to get the cheap out of me. It was a journey that began with talk and included talk, time, talent, and treasure. Talk is easy because it's free, right? But I had a mentor, this was not easy. I had a mentor say, Mark, there's, there's two kind of people in the world. There's people that are here I am people, and there's people that are there you are people. When you're in a room and you see people come into the room, one of the kind of people that walk through the door, and we all lean in this a little bit from time to time, but one of the kinds of people are uh, here I am people. This would be me. Hey, here I am, let's get the party started. That's me. And that's not bad, but let me ask you this. Would you rather have the here I am person walk in the room or the person that goes, oh, there you are. There you are. How, how are you? There you are people are, they're just lavishly generous with their conversations, with their talk. When you, when you come home from work, and maybe it's to a roommate or a spouse, and you walk in the door and you say, how was your day? And they start into, like, they had a bad day. Well, you know, this broke, and that happened, I got this call, and it was a bad day, it was a tough day. Do you say, yeah, me too, and mine was worse than yours? That is a here-I-am person. A there-you-are person says, that, that must have been difficult. Do you want to talk about it? My wife will tell you, that's what I say, almost never. <laughs> it's a generosity of words that focuses on the other person. And what you'll find is when you are generous with your talk, you also have to be generous with your time because you can't listen well without taking time to listen. And if you're like me, I'm still on my journey of generosity. I find it actually enjoyable to give financially. I do, I've come to that place. I'm still working on the time piece though. You know why? And do not say because you don't have time. Stop saying that. 
It's like people, every week people say to me, I'm, you know, I, I know that you don't have time and you, you're super busy. Um, you know how much time I have? It's gonna stun you. Every day, 24 hours. You too? Kismet, crazy. Time is the great equalizer because every human being on the planet has 24 hours in a day. And, and every human being, believe this or not, every human being fills every minute of all 24 hours with something. It's what we fill it with that is our choice. So would you do me a favor? Because I think this will be healthy for you spiritually. Stop saying, I don't have time. Just be honest. Start saying, that's not a priority for me. Now, I wouldn't say it to the other person, especially if you're married to them. But in my own mind, someone said, hey, you want to come feed the homeless? I don't say no. I say, well, to, to myself, I'd say, well, either that's a priority or it's not. And I did something this week for this message. This is the bummer of preaching. You actually have to live this stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> no, it hurts sometimes. I pulled out my smartphone and I... I I went to the search bar and typed in screen time. And it told me how much screen time I average on the phone. I think it's a liar, but it told me that I'm spending three hours and 40 minutes a day on that screen. That doesn't even include the television screen, so add another hour. It's like, that's a lot of time. And that's a stupid priority. Now, I know some of you are defending me right now because, well, I'm sure some of it is work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost all of it, I'm sure. But what if I simply tithed my screen time? That's four hours and 40 minutes a day. That's over 32 hours a week. If I just tithed my screen time to do something for someone who couldn't pay me back, I would find greater satisfaction because remember, satisfaction is not in the equal, it's in the minus. It's when you take your surplus and put it over someone's deficit so that they are equal to you in Christ, equal access to God. That's where life satisfaction is found. Anybody stressed? I have a solution for stress, seriously. Give to others who can't pay you back. That'll relieve your stress. Anyone have anxiety? The number one advice from psychologists, let alone the Bible, about anxiety is serve other people in a way that they can't pay you back. What if you just started with a generosity of your talk and a generosity of your time? That will lead to a generosity of your talent. And this actually, for, the me, for me, is the most fun. Because all, like all of us have talent. Some of you are extraordinary bakers. You just, you, you love the stuff. You can bake like nobody's business. And you get this joy of baking for other people. Now listen, if you are a, like a, a phenomenal baker, a God-gifted baker, and you don't have anyone to provide this service to, I'll take one for the team, okay? Some of you are really good with your hands and you can fix like anything. Do you know how many widows and single moms would love a little bit of your time and talent. Some of you are economically just like you get it. You, you're good with budgets. Do you know that on every campus of CCV, we have volunteers that are good in marriage counseling and they do pre-marriage counseling for free. Did you know there are some people on every campus, there are people just good with kids 
And they just hang out with kids and teach lessons to kids and hold babies in the nursery. You know, there are parents on all our campus with special needs kids and all what they would do for a night off. When we begin to give our talent away to others, this is the easiest part. You know why? And God made you like this. Generosity is in your nature. God made you so that your two greatest needs for happiness, connection and significance, are both fulfilled when you give yourself away using your abilities to do God's work. Now, some of you at this point are saying, okay, that's good. So if I am generous with my talk, my time, and my talent, I don't really need to give my treasure. You're wrong. As gently and as forcefully as I want to say that, you're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know why you're not giving your time to other people? Because you haven't invested in it. You, you know why your talk is you focused, not other focused? Because talk is cheap, so put your money where your mouth is. And when we begin investing in the things of God, our heart follows, and our time, our talk, and our talent will align with where our treasure is. That's by God's design. It is in your nature. You're not going to change it. You might as well submit to it because God not only designs you to be a giver, but he designs your happiness to align with your generosity. And the other thing about giving financially, and I hadn't thought about this until this, this message, when you just give your words to someone, that has value. Your, your talk has value. But if you want to go beyond words, if you want to give wings to your words to go farther than you imagined, put some money behind your words and they will soar. You want your time to have value. Your time has value. And would you volunteer? That's valuable. But if you want to exponentially, like increase, magically increase your time, throw some money at it, and the time somehow magically gets thicker and denser and more significant. You want your talents to go further than they can on their own? When we invest financially, when we're generous with our finances, it takes our talk, our talent, and our time further than they can, further than they can go on their own. And if you don't believe this could be your story, I want you to watch this story to see how Vince and Tara used their treasure to exponentially increase time, talent, and talk. Watch their story. So I guess kind of going back all the way, finances were always a, a topic in our lives that I felt like we were kind of attacked in uh, from the very get-go. Um, we were planning our wedding. She got T-boned and uh, we didn't have full coverage on a brand new car. Uh, so that was just like, that was kind of the start of our marriage as far as finances went. So in a two year stretch, like we ended up going through a bankruptcy. Um, that was rough because there's a lot of pride that just instantly goes away <laughs> when that happens. I never knew how bad it was. I never knew, you know, when we had to choose between, you know, are we gonna pay electric this month or water this month? Um, he always just covered it. I knew how much I had for groceries. And I mean, we had a house, we had food, like it was fine. Um, not awesome, but fine. 
but yeah, in that in that stretch, so we went from a bankruptcy um, to uh, I got let go from my job when she was three months pregnant with our third child, and we were in the process of opening up a business at that time. So went from a lifelong employee, you know, kind of thing to no job, and now we're trying to open up this new business. But I mean, God's awesome. Like in that time period, like the business took off almost immediately, and we got to a point where you know, we had more money saved up than we ever had in our lives kind of thing. And it's like, okay, now it's our turn. Like, you know, like we've rented for 10 years, like we, we've scraped and done all the things that we needed to do. Like this is our, our you know, time to finally get ahead and start doing some good stuff. Um, so in 2013, Don Wilson um, announced that CCV was going to do a, at the time, I think it was the largest like raise that they had done since they got the land for the main campus. and. If I remember correctly, the goal was uh, $10 million up front and $10 million committed um, to build these new youth buildings. And uh, I'll never forget it. We were driving home, and it was just silent. And she just looks over at me, and she's like, you're going to give them all our money, aren't you? And all I said was, like, how can I not? You know, because we had been through not having. Like, it, it's not fun, but it's also not terrible. So, like... I just felt like in that time, like, if God's going to do something with it, well, that's why it's there. That's why he gave it to me kind of thing. I've never been mad at him or resentful of any of the decisions that he's made. And none of his, some of his decisions haven't been perfect. Like, we've been through bankruptcy. We've been, like, it, but he's always trying to do the right thing. And I know that. We ended up, yeah, giving our entire savings that we were saving for a house to the building fund. And... Um, I don't remember exact month-wise, but I want to so 10 months later though, roughly, we ended up buying a house cash because the business just continued to thrive. And, you know, like looking back, like it's just inspired me to go bigger. Like, and that's what, so um, a few years ago, my business partner and I, we opened up a nonprofit of our own, like to help single parents with car repairs. And that's just a starting point. Like there's so many, like there will never not be need. So if we can, ultimately like be um, that conduit, you know, cause you don't, you don't know, like, I mean, he talks about like, you fed me, you clothed me. And it's like, well, when did I do that? It's like, well, when you took care of any of these people, the couple of bigger things that we've done, like we've brought the kids with. And I like, this is why you make money. Like this is the purpose of that resource is so that you can do things for people and have the ability to change lives, you know? And, and it shouldn't change their life. Cause again, it's just money. Money in and of itself is not important but the things you can do with it can, they're kingdom things. Wow. Yeah. I, I love his line, this is why you make money. This is why you make money, to do kingdom things. And my favorite part of the video was when he uh, talked about the car ride home, right? Because you're, you're gonna give away all our money, aren't you? How could I not? And some of you need to have that how could I not conversation in your home. And maybe it's with the man in the mirror, but what is God calling you to do? Because it's bigger than you. Up to this point, I've tried to convince you of just one simple thing, that generosity is in your genes. It's genetic, like God made you to be generous. But I wanna, I wanna show you another biblical truth about, about money. And it is that generosity is a sacrifice of love. It's not just about you. 
It is about salvation for the world. The most famous verse in all the Bible, you know it, probably by heart, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God gave. How do we know that God loves us? Because God gave. And how will the world know that we love them? When we give. And if you don't see the connection between generosity and the salvation for others, again, when's the, when's the, the best time to preach on giving? Before Black Friday, in the highest inflation in 40 years. Because needs are gonna be immense, and what we give will be exponential. You know, any financial manager will tell you, buy low, sell high. We can buy low right now. As a church, we can buy low. The greatest commentary on John 3.16 is 1 John 3.16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How? Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Our love for God and others is shown when we take the plus that God has put in our control, lay it over the minus that someone else has in their lives so that they can be equal at the foot of the cross, a brother and sister with their needs met through our resources. We are aware as a church that there may be a looming recession. And so our leaders, your leaders, have been gathering for the last month talking in very specific and very, uh, very pragmatic terms. How are we going to steward the resources that God puts in our, in our care? Many of you give sacrificially, and we want to be responsible for that. So we're talking through, through everything of, of staffing and maintenance and uh, cost-saving mechanisms I'll tell you two things that are not on the table for discussion. These are non-negotiables for us as a church. You just need to know this. Number one, we will not stop growing for Christ. If we have an opportunity to be present in a neighborhood where Christ could be proclaimed and people could have access to Jesus Christ, we're, we're still gonna do new campuses. We've already announced those. We're full speed ahead. And number two, our missions budget is not negotiable. We as a church tithe all of the offerings and tithes that, that you send to CCV. We tithe on that to send out all across the world. And truth be told, pound for pound, dollar for dollar, our missions dollars actually bring more people to Christ than anything else we do. So no, that is not negotiable. This week, we challenged our staff with with the rise of costs, our temptation is to cut our giving. We're not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna increase my giving because I am convinced that this is the best buy I will get in the recession, to reach more people for Jesus Christ through what we give, time, talent, talk, and treasure. And I know, I know what's gonna happen. For any of you that follow Vince and Tara's example, any of you, it will look different. It'll have different stories and different shades. But I know what always happens. Generosity 
is rewarding. Your greatest satisfaction in life is not what you keep, it's not what you gain, it's what you give. Your happiness is not in the equal, it's certainly not in the plus, it's in the minus. Someone else's minus that you can take your plus and lay over it so that they can be equal to you in Christ. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking to his, the church he established in Ephesus, he gathered the elders together and he, guys, he says, guys, you know, you know, I was with you for two and a half years. And the whole time I was with you, Paul said, I didn't take a salary. In fact, I worked a job and I paid for my own needs and for the needs of the poor around me. And then he concludes with this statement from Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let me ask you three questions. What would you give to be more like God? What would you give? How much time would you give? How much talent would you share? How much money would you sacrifice so that you could be a giver like God? What would you give to find mental health and personal peace? Because mental health is not in getting and accumulating. It's not in the equal sign. It's not in the plus sign. It's in the minus. When you take the plus God has given you and lay it over someone else's need, man, that is satisfying. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Question number three. What would you give so that someone could find Jesus? What would you give? What time would you give? What talent would you give? What words would you share? And what treasure would you offer so that God could take your tithes and offerings and turn it into souls for eternity? This is not an issue of simply creating a world. When God sent Jesus Christ to die for us, he was creating a new world, a new eternity in heaven and a new heaven and a new earth. And what we do right now with our resources in a very real way is partnering with God not to take the current, world, the current earth and make it into a world, but to look forward to the new heaven and the new earth and transform that by including people who are now equal in Christ as brothers and sisters. So what are you willing to give so that others could find Christ? Holy Father, we ask this with sobriety, with open hands, and open hearts. Would you do a work right now, Lord? Send your Holy Spirit to all our campuses, those watching online, th those watching uh, on a treadmill or driving on a car to work. Lord, would you convict us? Reveal to us how to be a giver as lavish as you are so that we could find our greatest satisfaction in being most like you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, let's go make Jesus famous.